suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morahan, and my brother JS to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, provocative, perhaps even enjoyable and entertaining stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today's episode is entitled The Red Queen Hypothesis. And Lewis Carroll introduced the world to the Red Queen in 1871 when he published Through the Looking Glass. And often confused in future theatrical and movie productions with the Queen of Hearts, a character from Alice in Wonderland written by Carroll in 1865, the Red Queen, according to the author, embodied a cold, strict, you know, passionless fury, the formal essence of a detached governess never deterred from the serious business to which she was fully engaged. I mean, this was written in 1871. I presume it reminds you of somebody uh, from the 20th and early 21st century American political scene. But in any event, the Queen of Hearts was truly a badass bitch, hot-tempered, abusive, cruel, bitter, and evil, narcissistic, in extremis. Again, this should remind you of someone on the American political scene. She was villainous, violent, volatile. She was spoiled, ungrateful, manipulative, antagonistic, cynical, tempered only by selfishness, ruthlessness, and paranoia. Again, but I digress. Supposedly, um, the Red Queen was modeled after long-reigning British Queen Victoria, who reigned from uh, 1837 till 1901. I mean, a full 68 years in office. Uh, This seems... You know, this description seems a bit unfair to Queen Victoria. And it is true that Queen Victoria raised people's ire. Um, She survived a, a dozen or so assassination attempts and crowned unofficially as the famine queen when one million Irish subjects under her rule starved to death in 1845 during the Great Hunger. And one million more were forced to emigrate to America and elsewhere to escape that Great Hunger, Um, which is how we wound up with a Nazi sympathizer in Joe Kennedy and his murderous son, the Lion of the Senate, Teddy, negatively impacting millions of more lives, you know, a hundred plus years later. But again, I digress. Now, Victoria clarified England's imperial ambitions, proclaiming the crown 
wouldn't take control of countries around the world um, by violent means. Unless, of course, it proved absolutely, but regrettably necessary to do so. At which point in time, Britain would not shirk away from its difficult but necessary responsibilities. They would perform their duties and proceed to conquer those people whom deserved to be conquered. Wow, uh, that's Queen Victoria. You can see why it's understandable to think that the Red Queen was based on Queen, Queen Victoria. But in any event, the Queen was granted an annual household allowance of 347,000 pounds on which to persevere in the 19th century. Now, this was real money more than uh, almost 200 years ago. And rumors were that Queen Victoria contributed two of those pounds to the Irish Famine Relief Fund, matching her contribution to the Animal Relief Agency, on which she gave gifts both the same day. Now, these rumors remain unconfirmed, but are theoretically and seemingly true. Now, the Queen's you know, vigorous defenders refuted such spurious claims, suggesting that she had actually donated 2,000 pounds to the Irish Famine Relief Fund. Now, to save time, we will we'll go with this inflated figure, meaning four things are perfectly clear, clear. A, Queen Victoria served as the model for gifting strategies to less fortunate, adopted a century later by U.S. Senator and Vice President, and then President Joe Biden, who faithfully adhered throughout his lifetime as a humble, humble public servant to such penurious charitable giving while hypocritically shaming us all to gift more generously while he did not. B, never allow even a single coin to escape one's grasp unless it proves absolutely impossible to avoid. C, screw tithing. Limit gifts to less than 1% of one's income, not 10%, as a good Mormon would do. And D, you can better appreciate why a hungry nine-year-old Oliver Twist in Dickensian London was lucky to leave with his head when he fearlessly but foolishly begged another bowl of soup from Bumble the Beetle in the Paris parish workhouse in Victorian London. Upon her husband's, uh, uh, Albert's uh, death, Queen Victoria announced that she was going to go into mourning. And by God, she meant it. For the next 39 years and two months of her reign, she would dress only in black, a habit broken only on issuance of deathbed orders that she be buried dressed all in white. Hmm. 
Now, to mistake the Red Queen for the Queen of Hearts is very troubling, for it confuses cold, passionate fury with ill-tempered, emotional, sadistic fury, which of course would never be emblematic of a stern but kind governess always fully committed to the best interests of her charge. So when the Red Queen sternly insists, Alice understand one must run very fast to remain in the same place. This is not just as good advice. This is the queen informing Alice the nature of nature. Now, this is highly controversial advice, especially in the immediate aftermath of Darwin's publication of Origin of the Species, where evolution, competition, and chance, pure randomness, threatens Christian beliefs systems, in fact, raises existential questions on the very meaning of life. Absurdism is not far down the pike. Almost a hundred years to the day after Through the Looking Glass was published, University of Chicago evolutionary biology professor Lee Van Valen published an article defining his red queen hypothesis, a metaphor capturing the essence of his earlier published hypothesis, the law of extinction. That promoted the idea that in many populations, the probability of extinction doesn't depend on the lifetime of this population. Rather, the risk of the species extinction remains constant over millions of years for a given population. Indeed, um, an adaptation in a population of one species, for example, predators, parasites, may change the natural selection pressure on a population of another species, you know, the prey, the host, giving rise to an antagonistic co-evolution. And if this positive feedback occurs reciprocally, a potential dynamic co-evolution may result. So Van Valen's proposition suggested that there exists a constant probability of extinction in families of related organisms. Based on research data compiled from existing literature on life duration of tens of thousands of genera throughout the fossil record. So the, queen, the Red Queen hypothesis implies that there exists in nature a constant, a constant arms race between co-evolving species, a reference to the Red Queen's counseling of Alice that on that chessboard that is ever-changing, that Alice understand that she must run faster and faster just to stay in the same place. Now, other researchers have used the Red Queen hypothesis as a metaphor to explain many things, one of which is the, the sexual reproduction theory versus asexual reproduction, that it is advantageous 
to a species because the variability and speed at which genotypes are mixed and selected for render them capable of staying just one step ahead of the parasites that invest them. Host variability and the speed of change in genotype make offspring genetically unique. And to the extent that the host species can change faster than the parasites infecting them can change, extinction risk is reduced or delayed. But it is a never-ending race toward survival or oblivion. Now, imagine that rabbits ran faster and faster with each generation. Well, well then, then foxes, they need to adapt and get faster and faster as well if they want dinner. And that is the nature of evolutionary competition, where to live on or die out balances on a razor's edge. Now, speaking of competition and the razor-thin line between life and death, I, I am reminded that the collaborationist French newspaper, Au Pilori, announced on December 20th, 1940, a rather unique contest to be held among its readership. Uh, it was aimed primarily at female clientele. But the winner of the contest was promised a rather treasured first prize. Remember, this is during World War II. First prize for winning the contest, three pairs of women's silk stockings. An entrance would compete for the best proposal in response to the question, what should be done with the Jews of France? Now, submissions included some very creative, intriguing ideas from enter entrance, surely provoking debate among the editorial judges of the newspaper. For example, Mademoiselle, some woman named Mademoiselle Giselle X, she actually suggested to the newspaper, Jews should be dumped in the jungle without food, dressed only in loincloths, leaving them exposed to wild animals and leprosy. Now, as a judge, I would have penalized her entry for lack of specificity. Which jungle? Gazelle obviously hadn't taken the contest as seriously as she might have. Further, I'd have marked her down a grade on the basis of two further considerations. Why bother with loincloths, Giselle? Is Madame Giselle X prudish? A technical point. Leprosy does not flourish in a jungle environment, Giselle X. But, I'm, but I'm on, on this point, I'm unclear that I'm correct. And in Paris, 1942, Giselle X didn't have internet access, so perhaps I'm being unnecessarily harsh in offering such criticism of Mademoiselle Giselle X. By the way, another female entrant suggested this. 
the crematorium would be a good destination. Helpfully for contest judges, she flushed out the full breadth of her solution, adding, quote, and, and for all of them from the oldest to the newborn. Wow. I mean, this is life in World War II Vichy, France. Alpilori editors, by the way, seriously pondered this last option, writing that while worthy of consideration, the judges worried that such a uh, solution might generate awful smells in neighborhoods bordering crematoriums and inconvenient and intolerable, therefore, to the citizens of a Nazified Paris. I mean, what is going on here? We are close to the edge. This contestant went on to state that Jews could be used for leather goods. Another woman wrote, I can see myself wearing shoes and a matching handbag made from the skin of a levy. Um, these repulsive ideas were presented in Al Pilori five months, just five months before the Jews were rounded up in France, 18 months prior to the convening of the Wannsee Conference on the outskirts of Berlin under the direction of that Nazi SS maniac Reinhard Heydrich, which did not move the final solution to the Jewish problem into its most diabolical phase of operation until a few months later. Newspaper publication of such offensive material and the sinister cyclical responses it rewarded helped poison the atmosphere in an untethered France, unearthing, unleashing, and and legitimizing the ghastly anti-Semitic impulses that resided just beneath the surface in an already traumatized Catholic French citizenry. The horrors that then took place and the horrific July 16, 1942, Veldiv roundup of 8,000 Jews, assisted by the use of data that had been collected earlier via mass uh, registrations. Um, the Jews rounded up were locked into the velodrome, you know, the, the, the bike racing grounds. They were locked up for five days without food, water, or toilet facilities under conditions that, that were so appalling um, it, it simply overwhelmed the few Red Cross workers that were allowed into the Veldviv in a fruitless effort to mitigate the suffering of the internees. Um, and they would define the scene that they saw inside that building as resembling scenes from Dante's descriptions of hell. Worse, of, worse of course, would soon follow. You know, the stench of shame, cloaking France from these and many similar atrocities committed on its own citizenry will never be expelled from history books. You know, like Hawthorne's Scarlet Letter A, 
the stain lasts forever. All this bigotry, discrimination, hatred, and cruelty was just beneath the surface, so close to the surface, and the Nazis were able to convince the French of the necessity of treating a portion of its population, the Jews, in this manner. And yet, and yet here we are in 2022, perhaps debating whether the red hypothesis is valid in helping us understand current conditions in the world. You know, 80 years past the horrors of, of, of Veldiviv, in fact, July 16th, 2022, will be the 80th anniversary of France's notorious, shameful roundup of the Jews. And no matter how fast the world moves, no matter how far we, th we think we have come, are we not somehow still in the same place. I read the Constitution, the Constitution of Lebanon, for example, and it calls for the extermination of the Jews of Israel. Now, I know of no other nation on planet Earth which maintains as a fundamental part of its founding principles, the extermination of its neighbors. But then, but then I am reminded to think about Louis Farrakhan, who not that long ago clarified his personal take on things he had said. And he clarified, remember, I am not an anti-Semite. I am an anti-termite. So perhaps, despite our most fervent desires to make progress, to move quickly, to speed up the process by which we create more civility, we are stymied by the Red Queen hypothesis that shows that we have to run faster and faster simply to maintain our place in the world. And it might be, as much as we might not want it to be, that the Red Queen rules over human affairs. Hey, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again. Bye-bye. <laughs>
could I miss what was in front of me? Two eyes that can't make you see. It's the mind that paints all these pictures, like the mirage of the deserts. I misread all the signals. I never knew that I'd been lost. I thought ghosts from way back in my past. Never knew how much it costs. Just a drop of rain and a thunderstorm. Another grain of sand on the beach. A blade of grass on a mountain field. Another car on a shower street. Mistakes, just things that I've done. I can tell, and I've broken her heart. Can she forgive me? Can she forget? Can she keep us from falling apart? I hope that she knows. 